You're now listening to the Stronger Inside Podcast, where we break down all things regarding health, fitness, and wellness to help you improve your mind, body, and environment. And now, your host, Wayne, a.k.a. Workout with Wayne, and Ernest, a.k.a. Mr. 100 Pounds Down. All right. Welcome back to Stronger Inside Podcast. This is our third episode. Ernest, what are we going to talk about today? All right, man. So today we're going to talk about what's better for weight loss, weightlifting or cardio? Very, very popular question. And we'll get into that because both of these things work together. Unfortunately, they kind of get pitted against each other as if there's one 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 method that is superior to the other when a lot of times they are, they should be used in conjunction. So when you are looking to lose weight, there's a long-term solution and a short-term solution. For a long-term, you want to have you want to have muscle. You want to build muscle for short-term weight loss. You just want to be in a caloric deficit, which means you're either eating less or you're working out more but you have increased your, your, your energy expenditure so that now basically the only way you're going to lose weight is if you are consuming less than you burn. And that's where a lot of people get caught up in because they want a short-term result. Let's, let's talk about you, Ernest. For the, the listeners that don't know, you are 100 pounds down in your journey. Yes, so sir. What are some of the methods that we've implemented for you to be where you are today? I think most of what we've been doing so far has been uh, have been weight training. Now, there have been some um, body weight things that we've done uh, at the beginning of this process. Um, we've done a lot of body weight exercises since we've been in quarantine. Uh, but yeah. when we were able to go to the gym, a lot of it was weight training as far as dumbbells or uh, squats. Um, and then uh, doing uh, different machines, stuff like that. Uh, there's been some cardio aspects to it now, as far as, you know, going for walks. Um, so mountain climbers, would that be a more of a cardio type yeah, of yeah. exercise? So in yeah. terms of getting, getting your heart rate up, right. that, that is not the, the bulk of your plan. The bulk of your not plan is the, the strength aspect. Correct. And what that's done, that's allowed you to build muscle and not to get too far off topic with this, but in terms of your metabolism, that's something that you want to make sure you're taking care of. So your metabolism is not stuck. It, it does matter in terms of your, the size you are, your, your, your height, your weight, your age, your gender. But when you have more muscle, you're going to burn more energy at rest to burn more calories at rest which allows for you to have a higher metabolism so to take a for example i'm 220 pounds if i am 15 percent body fat and somebody else is 220 pounds and they are 30 percent body fat then i have more muscle on my body than them even though we weigh the same so mm -hmm. while we get on the scale and it's way the same my body is burning 
more calories without trying than theirs. So for somebody who has an untrained body, meaning they, they really don't have any muscle developed, that is a reason why you want to build muscle mm. so that you can, that you can get results long-term without trying as hard. Because when you use cardio as a, as a tool, you're only burning calories right then and there. And then after that, once you stop, it's over. So that person who is 220 pounds and 30% body fat, and if they, if they only rely on cardio, then it's not gonna change the composition of their body. But somebody who is weight training, they're going to change the composition of their body, which is going to allow them to be better off in the long term. So uh, let's, let's, let's jump into maybe some of the myths and things that prevent people from going the weight training aspect. Uh, because the majority of people, when they want to get into health and fitness, and if weight loss or, you know, really big extreme weight loss is their goal, they're going to lean towards the cardio side. So let's, let's jump into some of the myths surrounding weight training so that we can clear the air and allow people to really understand why certain methods are effective. So the, the number one, and, and this is not as prevalent as it used to be, but it's still around and I, we really want to clear this up. Somebody might think that they can reduce body fat in a certain area by working the muscles in that area. For example, I can lose my belly by doing crunches, or I can get, uh, I can, I can get more toned arms by doing curls, and that's not true. So, and and the reason why is so, you you can't target, you can't you can't target where your body loses fat. So, Ernest, a lot of the success you've had, you've been in a caloric deficit for mm -hmm. you to lose that weight. Right. So your body is going to, depending on genetics, really, your body is going to choose where it wants to burn body fat. So, and then also where it stores. That's why we are all built differently. For mm -hmm. some people, they may store fat in their lower back more. Some people may store fat in their, you know, in their, their hips or whatever it may be. We're not all built the same and that's the genetics. So somebody might want to attack one of those areas and say, I want to burn fat in that area. What do I do? Do I just do those exercises? And that's just not how it works. Your body is going to choose where it's going to use uh, burn body fat. So really, you know, all these core exercises to get a six pack or, you know, to, to fix your arms or, you know, you know, don't have flabby arms, do this arm, <laughs> this arm uh, workout. Right. It doesn't work that way. So when you are, doing strength training, resistance training, you are tearing muscle fibers and you're breaking down your muscles. You are not burning fat in that area. You are tearing down your muscles. So really, when, you, when you're weight training, resistance training, you are breaking your body down. And that's why the nutrition aspect and the recovery aspect is so important because that's where you're going to rebuild. So when you see somebody who does have a six pack or uh, toned or ripped arms, whatever it may be, they are in a caloric deficit. And basically, they have gotten to the point to where their body is burning fat. And 
all of us hold fat in our midsection, believe it or not. <laughs> that is just how humans are built. So that person who has, you know, the six pack or whatever it may be, they were just patient. They, they were patient. They stuck with the process and they continued to reduce body fat by doing all different full body exercises because strengthening your whole body is important. Not just trying to attack and target certain areas because that's, that doesn't work anyway. So in order to have a six pack or toned arms or uh, maybe, you know, even the backside of your body, whatever it may be, it is about reducing calories. And then also, if you want those muscles to look better, once you can see them to where they are firmer and more developed, yes, that is where the weight training comes into play. So when you are doing uh, core exercises or arm exercise, I'll just keep using those as examples, you are getting stronger with those, with those uh, muscles. Those muscles are improving their strength. They uh, possibly are getting bigger. It depends, more developed. But you are not burning fat in that area. Is that something that you had thought previously, Ernest? Um, no, yeah. So I, I thought that you know, when you did crunches, you were working out your stomach and hence you were burning calories in that area. Yes. Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't hip to the, you know, just because you're working out your arms doesn't mean you're, you know, burning calories in your stomach or in your thighs or whatever. I didn't know that your body um, could play tricks on you like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Sadly, that is something that people still believe in it. And it, it, it causes them to either build their own workouts improperly or to focus on things that they don't really need to focus on, even if they're, giving a, if they're given a quality program. But if they don't understand that right there, they will deviate from that to try to uh, improve the workout or whatever it may be, so that they can get the desired result when really they're, they're, they're hindering themselves because mm -hmm. you can't work the same muscles every single day. Um, and even then, those two exercises that I talked about, whether it be curls or tricep extensions or uh, you know whatever ab exercise, core exercise, you're not burning a large amount of calories when you're using small muscles. So for somebody to do a squat, a deadlift, a overhead press, a, a barbell row, a pull-up, if, if you're able to do those things, you're burning much more calories and using really big muscles. So um, those would be compound lifts. So when you're doing those things, you're going to burn more calories. And if you pair that with a goal-specific nutrition plan, you're going to lose the body fat and you're going to start seeing the definition in the areas that you want to see. So when you say compound lift, what, what is that exactly? So you are, you're using multiple muscles. So to, let's use a pull-up, for example. So mm -hmm. the pull-up, you're using a pulling motion. So that means you are using your back. And then because you are using your arms as well, so depending on the hand placement, it'll uh, depend on how much bicep is incorporated, but your bicep is working as well. So you, when you're pulling yourself towards that bar, your back is working, but then your biceps are working. I mean, of course, we get even the smaller muscles, forearms and those different things, but just there's a primary mover, then a secondary. 
Mm. So when you are doing a curl, which is a small muscle, you're only working the bicep. Gotcha. But when you're doing a pull-up, you're working your back and the bicep. And, you know, unless you are <laughs> a huge world-class bodybuilder, how much weight are you really curling? Right. So your body is not even really uh, getting a huge stimulus, not even being taxed be the same way somebody who would do a pull-up or a deadlift or or a barbell row or something like that to where you are working multiple muscles uh, to on the flip side, think about uh, a, a pushing motion. So like a bench press, you're working your chest, of course, but then there's a, uh, depending on if you're doing an incline or not, um, there's a shoulder involved and then secondary mover would be your, your triceps. So you are getting all those muscles within that same exercise versus you getting on maybe uh, the, the, weight, the weight stack using the rope extension and you doing some tricep pull downs, some, some, you know, arm extensions, mm -hmm. working that small tricep. I mean, really, if you're listening right now, touch your tricep. If, if you, if it's there and you can feel it and, it and it looks like that little apostrophe on your arm, how big is that compared to your chest? So if you have a plan that you're spending, you know, uh, uh, two exercises, three sets each, so you're doing six sets just for your tricep versus your chest, that's not going to be efficient for you. And maybe you need to reevaluate re your program. Um, so, so taking it to that, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase a lot of people use, uh, tone. So this, this myth has been dying out more. Um, but some people believe that you can tone your muscles whatever that means <laughs> and they should use light weights and do heavy reps um that is what we would call the the pink dumbbell myth meaning that i can get a longer body and only do this light weight a lot of times because this is going to allow for my body to look more toned um we can really jump into what toned means uh what what is what does toned mean to you ernest so toned for me would mean uh, like your midsection won't be as uh, rippled <laughs> okay. on the sides, right? So you want you want your sides to be flat and smooth, right? You want your arms to to be tighter, no okay. no, no jiggle in your arms and things like that. You want your legs and your thighs to be tight on the on the movement. So you don't want you may, maybe you don't have as much muscle, but you want it to be you know not as much uh, extra skin and, you know, folds and things like that. You don't want to move and jiggle as you, as you walk. <laughs> okay. That, that is Ernest extended Webster <laughs> <laughs> definition of toned. Google it, baby. It's right there. <laughs> so really uh, what, what toned, what people are referring to is um, having low body fat so that the muscle is able to be seen. Mm. And, that that might not necessarily mean, you know, for for certain words you may use in in a bodybuilding culture or is ripped or shredded. That's that's an extreme. So somebody who wants to be under that would be just toned to where maybe they're not super vascular in in how they look, but you still can see 
there's some definition of the muscle. And that's, that is, that is really what's referred to as tone. Um, you, you cannot achieve that unless you are, let's say, let's say you are looking to, so you, you, you don't have a toned body, meaning you have excess body fat on, on your body and you're looking to become toned. You are going to apply the same methods going from, I'll use Ernest's word, <laughs> rippled <laughs> and, and jiggly to, to toned the same way somebody went from toned to ripped. Mm. and shred it it's the same principles having a caloric deficit and continuing to add some of the um the principles that we spoke upon in a previous episode progressive overload and periodization to where you are giving your body a new stimulus and making sure that you're progressing so you're getting stronger you're you're adding adding muscle and you're also reducing body fat so that is what's going to get you from an untrained body to having toned muscles. Now, once you get to that point of toned, yeah, you can either stop, and I don't mean stop working out, but you can take your foot off and kind of hit more of a maintenance level of exercise and diet rather than continuing to uh, keep your foot on the gas so that you can get, you know, quote unquote, ripped. Because take somebody who is a bodybuilder or something like that. If you look at somebody who's on a stage, uh, newsflash, they don't look like that all the time. They have done everything in their power to be prepped for that moment, for that hour, for that day. And then after that, their body is going to start to uh, return to its baseline. Now, their baseline may be different than an untrained person, of course. Mm, right. So, you know, somebody's going to say, well, they look awesome. They look ripped even when they're not on the stage, but they still don't look like that on the stage. So for somebody to be toned, basically you just say, all right, I'm happy where I'm at, or maybe I'm just not ready to progress further right now, but you still use the same principles. Um, so you still have to have progressive overload, which means lifting more weight, adding weight or adding volume, whether it be more reps and sets so that your body does feel a reason to change rather than you doing 12 sets of five pound curls. And then you know that your body, you know that you're not tired. You know that your body doesn't feel any reason to respond. And you just go on to the next uh, exercise that that is not going to get you toned, unfortunately. So if you think that by, Taking it easy and doing a lighter workout is going to get you the desired body. That's just not going to happen. Right. And that's something where we do see uh, the differences in gender with that. Um, you train with your wife, Ernest. Did you ever see any uh, early on any differences in maybe your approach to fitness, uh, approach to weight training? Uh, yeah. I think early on I was – if she was able to do a weight, that's something I was like, well, I can't do that weight. I got to do something heavier than that, right? So, yeah. but that was the, the to the detriment of my form. So sometimes, you know, if if there's certain areas of my body that weren't as strong as they, you know, maybe they needed to be or that they are now, excuse me, so they, they weren't as strong as they are now. And so I had to reduce make sure my form was right so that I wasn't going to injure myself. And, you know, because if I if I pull something or whatever, 
then I'm out for two weeks. Yeah. You know, at war. Whereas if I do the do it the right way at the, at a weight that is comfortable for me, you know, in two weeks I could I can be at you know the weight that I need to be at or that I want to be at, right? And so um, early on, and then it was a, a getting her to understand that you know lifting weights isn't going to get her um, muscular, isn't going to make her look like uh, China. From the from the WWE, <laughs> you know, just because you live weight, you're, you're not going to be, you know, this this swole woman. Well, did you guys around. ever have a, a a conversation or a, a maybe there was some uh, uh, res- resistance or hesitance to uh, follow the program, or um, just so, or just or just questions? Right, yeah, more questions, more questions, because uh, she like she enjoys running, yeah, um, so she enjoys that that cardio aspect of you know working out for me that's not something i enjoy and probably because you know being the size that i was and you know still am whatever it just it's a lot on the knees to you know to get up and to get up and going so that wasn't something that i was thrilled about but she enjoys running so it was you know she feels like incorporating that into a workout will be something that would be more beneficial to her um but um starting off you know the weights was something that was different and were and was new and but i think we both embraced everything um you know initially with total enthusiasm to get the program to work okay okay yeah i mean with within the personal training industry uh i I don't have a clear number of uh the percentage but it is going to be probably 60 40 minimum uh, 60% women, 40% men. I do train more women than I do train men. And that's common for all trainers across the board, whether they be male trainers, female trainers. Um, it's just going to be more women who are more likely to hire a trainer. So really, I've, I've seen that over the years, countless times to where um, I am trying to help coach and break that mentality of doing something lighter believing that it's going to get desired results because the clients that I've had, the strongest, the strongest women that I've trained usually have uh, the, the more toned physiques that what, that, you know, people walk in the door wanting. And you, and I've actually kind of paired two clients before, uh, whether it be nutrition wise or strength wise to break a myth and, and say, Hey, um, tell this person, and of course, they're, they're, they're fine with it and they're cool with it. Tell this person how much you eat. And then their eyes get wide and say, oh my God, that, that's so much. How do, you, how do you maintain that? And you're of that size. You're not a huge woman. You're not a huge man, whatever. And then the same thing is, you know, I'll say, tell them how much you deadlift or tell them how many pull-ups you can do. And I don't train any physique clients. You know, to use, what'd you say, China from WWE? Right. <laughs> that's a throwback. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't train anybody that looks like that. So for somebody to still be very strong and to to lift uh heavy weights, you know, whatever's perceived heavy for them, client client-based intensity, client-based volume, they th- they're going to be able to still, you know, kind of what would you say look normal but look fit and toned and they're not going to look like somebody who you may think 
looks that way just because of weight training, but that is a person who has dedicated their life. We're talking years and years and years and years, uh, hours and hours and hours of weight training, and then also a, a great diet. But then also some of the people, especially uh, you know, when you get into the bodybuilding world that you may see, they have assistance from drugs. So <laughs> there's things that are added to your body, testosterone and things like that for women. So uh, you're not going to look like that without, that without that help, man or woman, right. uh, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. you can take somebody who's a natural bodybuilder and you take somebody who uh, does use those, use those substances, you're going to see a difference in their body. Right. So ladies, that takes us right to the next myth. Um, you will not get bulky <laughs> if you start weight training, especially if you're only weight training two, three times a week. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, for you guys, Ernest, I know you had got up to maybe four times a week and you're doing some different things in there. But right. uh, for example, a, a woman has one tenth to one twentieth. We're all different. Uh, the amount of testosterone in the in the body. So for even even you, Ernest, you know, so let, let's use this as an example. Have you turned into Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> um, and you and you have way more testosterone in your body. Mm -hmm. um, even for myself, I, I would be considered a fit person. Um, but for me, I have not, nobody would ever confuse me as a person who competes in physique competitions. And that is because I just do not have that look. Um, I, I really don't want to. And that has nothing to do with how it looks. It's just that's a commitment that those people are willing to make. But that is somebody who trains six times a week, seven times, depending on what they got going on or where they are uh, within their season. So uh, you will not get bulky if you are lifting two to three times a week. Uh, that would be like saying, I don't want to turn into Stephen Curry because I uh, uh, shoot my driveway <laughs> twice a week. Yeah, man. It, it's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but I'm pulling up from the mailbox though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to get too good. Yeah. Uh, with my minimal effort, <laughs> or or my moderate effort, you know. So that that that's something that's just not going to happen. Uh, we'll go to the next one. I think this is a. Uh, really deters people from starting weight training or sticking with um, the soreness involved. Some mm -hmm. people believe that they should be sore after every workout. And some people believe that soreness is always going to be there after every workout. And that's just not the case. So um, the soreness is called delayed onset muscle soreness. Uh, so some people refer to it as DOMS. And really that's what happens is when you, especially if you haven't trained for a while or you're an untrained person, your body is going to be sore anywhere from 18 to 24 hours later. And, it's, and that's when it starts picking up. It's not, it's not usually right after, you know? That's mm -hmm. why you get somebody who is untrained and then I'll tell them, let's take it easy today. But, and in the moment, they feel as though they can do more. And I'm pulling the reins saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I want you to be able to walk tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I want you to be able to play with your kids. I don't want you calling out of work and, you know, calling me up saying, hey, man, uh, I need an Advil. I need to, you know, take a, a long bath, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, because 
the DOMS, the delayed onset muscle soreness, it's coming. Mm -hmm. But we can reduce that by having a phrase I use a lot is the client-based intensity. Uh, how, how, did, how did that hit you and your wife when you guys first started getting into things? So I, I was used to it as far as, or I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Because, you know, playing football and stuff back in the day, you know, there was times where you would, first day of tryouts, you would go try out, and then they would uh, get into the gym, you start lifting weights, and then the next day, you wake up, and only thing you can move would be your eyelids. Like, you wake up in the morning, <laughs> you wake up in the morning, you, you knew you were alive, but you, you wasn't going nowhere yeah. initially. So I knew it was coming when we first got into it. And so, you know, waking up that first morning and you had like the 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 dumb arms or you just couldn't really pick up your phone to turn the alarm off. You had to like move your whole body and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, but that I knew it was coming, but it was one of those things where, you know, you can't really prepare somebody for. And so I think my wife, she she was sore also. And, you know, she had this, uh, the, the sore legs or the sore arms and stuff like that. So just a matter of breaking through that. Once you break through it, it's easier, you know, the next day. And as you go forward and, and the, more, the more you do it, the less sore you become. Yeah, yeah. And you have to keep going. You know, yeah. um, some people, I've had people ask me, uh, you know, they've had, limited experience in that field, which is why they hired me, which is great. But they asked me the question, they say, do you feel like this every day? <laughs> you know, and no, because yeah. let's be honest, nobody would weight train or work out if they felt like that every single day. Right. You would have to be a masochist. You would have to be an insane person to want to put yourself through that every single day. So that's just not the case. So right. when you see people that are very consistent within their weight, uh, whether it be weight training or even, you know, with running or whatever it may be, but within fitness and they are pushing themselves, their body has adjusted. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, I'm very consistent with my, my fitness. And when I do feel more sore than usual, it's either because I've introduced a new uh, way of training to where maybe I have change the amount of reps that I'm doing. So that caused me to increase more weight so that maybe I'm doing, you know, sets of five on squats. And then I, maybe I'm going to feel that more the next day than what I was doing previously. So, and that's something that we talked about like periodization um, and in the previous episode, but that's really where once your body is trained and prepared, that, that's really the small place where you see the difference. Um, but when you're, when you're early on and you're getting started and you get that soreness, Understand that it's going to be temporary, and the worst thing that you can do is stop. Because mm -hmm. once you stop, guess what's going to happen? When you start again, you're going to go through the same process. So yes, it's about getting your body to get used to it, and then it's going to be less and less each each time. Absolutely. All right, and then another myth would be: I am too old. I am too old to lift weights. I'm too old to start. Uh, you're never too old to strength train. It's almost like uh, education. You know, if you go back to school and you're 85, more power to you. You want to start weight training later in life? Go right ahead. Now, you want to do it uh, supervised. You want to do it efficiently. But there is no, there, there's nothing to stop you. And there's no age cutoff. And all the same principles that apply to a younger person are going to apply to you when you are looking to 
build some more muscle, build some more strength. And really, it's more important to be strong when you're older. Right. When you're, when you're younger, you, you have, you, you're going to have more, I guess you would say, natural strength uh, and mobility and flexibility and things like that. And you're probably doing more things. But when you're older and you have to have uh, basic needs, whether it be moving, doing things for yourself, grocery shopping, going up and down stairs, uh, if you are a more fit person in your older years and you're playing with kids or all these different things, and even for women, you want to weight train so that you have bone density and prevent osteoporosis. So these are things that you want to have so that you have balance. Because if you're, let's say you're a weak young person and you fall, that's not the same as being an older, being in an older population and falling. Mm-hmm. And falling is a big, big part of injuries for the older population. So the stronger you are, <laughs> you're going to prevent yourself from having some of these accidents and things that are going to set you back. And right. then once again, you break a bone. I mean, I broke my arm when I was 17. I was back in eight weeks playing basketball. <laughs> That's not going to happen when I'm 65 right. <laughs> or, or older, you know? Right. So I want to I wanna lower the risk of having an accident or lower the risk of depending on somebody. Uh, I, I love my son to death, but I don't want to have to call him <laughs> to have him do a bunch of things for me when I'm older. Right. I, I should be able to, you know, kind of handle business myself for the most part. And that's where the strength comes into play. So even and, and, and there's no specific um, exercises that you should be doing and you shouldn't. It, it just can be at a different scale, you, you know, and you're probably going to have more recovery time involved. But you still should be able to do a lot of the same things. You still should be working on flexibility, mobility. So there's no reason why somebody says, well, I'm 65 years old. I should not be doing a deadlift. You should be doing a deadlift because it's the most efficient exercise you can do. It's just about what type of controlled environment that you're doing it in. Are you doing an appropriate weight? Right. If, if you're just doing half your body weight, that's fine. But you still should be doing those things. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, you know, the, the studio that I work in, there's a lot of different clients coming in. There's a lot of different people like myself. They're independent contractors. And you're going to see older populations doing these things. And these people are going to be able to be stronger and fit within their, within their lives. Um, but if you don't have that expertise behind you and you think that uh, those things are beyond your capabilities, then you're wrong. You are in the wrong. So you're going to be deadlifting when you're uh, 75, Ernest? <laughs> Lord, Lord willing. Yeah, let me be out there with my grandkids. There we go. There yeah. we go. So that, that covers the things that kind of keep people away from weight training or maybe the confusion with weight training. So you should be weight training. Whether your goal is to lose weight, uh, start a more healthy lifestyle, that should be part of it. So let's take it to the second half of cardio. Um, this is what people love. I mean, I live in <laughs> I live in Arlington area. People love to run, yeah, especially man. with uh, COVID-19 going on. So the gyms are closed and there's just not a lot of options for most people. They don't have extravagant home gyms. So they're getting out, they're moving, they're walking, they're running. But even then prior to this, uh, outbreak, people were choosing to run over 
weight training. So there's, there's some myths associated with cardio. Uh, let, let's, let's talk about the guarantee of weight loss. <laughs> some people believe that if they run, they will lose weight. And it's, it is that simple. Um, if you are not doing anything and you increase the amount of uh, exercise, you increase the amount of calories you're burning, so you are expending more energy, yeah, you, you're going to possibly have a better chance of putting yourself in a caloric deficit. But if your nutrition and your diet is not in the right place, you can run five miles a day, but it's not going to, <laughs> you're not going to even break even if you're eating, you know, <laughs> dominoes every night or something right, like that. Right. that you, I got to reward myself for them five miles, right? And, and believe it or not, when you are doing high amounts of cardio, it, it, you get hungry. You get mm. hungrier. And a lot of people do convince themselves that they have burned more calories than they actually burned. And then it puts them in a position where they increase their intake. Um, but really, a lot of times what we do see from, a, and this is only short term, because it's not sustainable. Uh, let's say when you first started, Ernest, and you, you were at the position you were, all you had to do was eat less and move more, right? Mm -hmm. And people say, well, that's, that's a very simple solution to uh, weight loss. Yes, that is true. But a lot of people push both, they pull in both directions to the point where it doesn't work out. So let's say you, uh, you know, you're being, a, you are a six foot two man and you are, when you six, first started. Six, two and a half. Six, Sorry. two and a half, my bad, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> you, and you are currently around, you, you are in the 290s, correct? Mm -hmm. If you were to reduce your calories to, 1400 calories or something right and then you were to go run three miles a day your weight would drop right your weight would drop and then without weight training without anything but that's not the most efficient way and let me ask you this how likely are you to stick with being hangry all day and then going to basically think of your body almost as a gas tank so where your 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 body is <laughs> less than a quarter tank of gas because you're in an extreme caloric deficit. And then you're going to go do something harder than what you've been doing, you know, running the, the multiple amount of miles. So you're going on a road trip <laughs> with <laughs> less than a quarter tank of gas. Right. You ain't going nowhere. Right. You just, it's not going to last. And that's why people can only do that for, you know, a week, two weeks, maybe. And they get the short-term results. They pat themselves on the back and then they regress. So really making sure that you understand and how to use cardio as a tool is really important. So yes, you're going to burn more calories with cardio, um, but immediately, in the immediate. But having a proper diet always uh, matters, and that's something that we touched on with the weight training as well. So to remove diet from the question, uh, just the actual method in itself of using cardio uh let me ask you this have you ever ran a 5k or 10k Ernest? never in my life <laughs> okay uh, have you ever been to a race to support a, a friend or family member i have okay so 
and it, and it could even be half marathon, full marathon, whatever it may be. The participants in these races, did you see all the same body type? Not at all. Not at all. Some some were smaller than me. Some were my size or larger. Yeah. So you have people that um, are on the larger scale, whether it be body fat percentage or BMI or whatever you want to use, and they have excess body fat, but they are able to complete these races. Mm -hmm. So they have a high cardiovascular level. That's awesome. So that proves right there, though, that <laughs> just by incorporating running, you will not <laughs> put yourself, that's not a guarantee to put yourself in a healthy, uh, at a healthy body fat percentage. It's just not, it's just not a guarantee. And those people train for those races. I mean, they ran for weeks and weeks and weeks, or maybe that's just part of their lifestyle and they run and run, but they do not have what you would say is a, is a healthy body fat percentage. So yes. that is not a guarantee. So you have to think about what, why is that? And, and what methods should I really use that are going to be as efficient as it needs to be? Um, the, the reason why is with cardio, you are going to burn immediate calories and that's it. So once you stop, your, when your heart rate comes back down, your body is now back in return. So if you burned 300 calories on a run, once you stop running and your heart rate comes back down, those 300 calories are done and your body is not changing its composition. Uh, with weight training, on the other hand, when you are doing something more intense and lifting, lifting weights, you are going to have something called EPOC. And this is called excess post-oxygen, excuse me, excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. And now your body is actually burning more calories post-workout. So now you're becoming more efficient at burning calories. When you're only running, or even if you're just doing running at a, uh, what we call steady state, so that means you are just pretty much running at a very the same pace for a long period of time, uh, you're, not, you're, you're not being as effective in fat burning as somebody who does incorporate weight training. Or another way of cardio, which we can jump to now, is HIIT, which would, you know, the acronym H-I-I-T, high intensity interval training. And that's something that we've incorporated within our, our training, Ernest, more so than a steady state cardio. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the high intensity cardio uh, exercises that you feel like were more fun for you and the things that you, you, you and your wife enjoyed? <laughs> if fun can be a word. <laughs> <laughs> you said fun. I thought you cursed me off. I was like, fun. All right. So uh, we've done like the burpees. We've done, um, what is it? The, uh, slider mountain climbers yeah we, I, I like those i like those more than the regular mountain climbers okay um so we've done the regular mountain climbers also you guys have done some uh jump some uh jump rope as well i believe jump rope jump rope jump rope was fun because it because we are both competitive my wife and i and so when we did the jump ropes it was i believe it was like 30 or 40 seconds of jump ropes where we counted how many times we could jump 
in that time period or whatever. So whoever okay. jumped the whoever jumped the least had to drive home. Um, I drove a couple times home, but <laughs> uh, and then uh, we the the ski the side to side. Um, oh, speed skaters, speed, speed skaters, skaters. Yep, the yeah, speed skaters, yeah. those things. They have speed skater burpees. Those were the worst, also, because <laughs> uh, it was like you incorporated speed skating with a with a jump, a drop down and jump up thing. So I was like, "What yeah. are you doing to me?" But yeah. So those are some of the uh, some of the activities we've done. Yeah, and and really, to, to, you know, just to to define high intensity interval training is really just a a burst that gets your heart rate up. So something that gets your heart rate to about. 80 to 95 percent of your maximum heart rate and then allowing it to come down and not dropping to complete rest but a lower intensity so maybe around 60 percent of your max heart rate so uh for example if, if we use heart rate monitors in our workouts before and then right. that has further helped you understand uh, what's going on within the workout uh we're both 35 and um for our maximum heart rate, you say, how do I know my maximum heart rate? So a, a quick formula that it, that's roughly around where you sh- you'll get a good answer is take 220 and then subtract your age. And then that's where you'll know your, what's your maximum heart rate. So somebody that's 35 um, and we're going to get my heart rate, you're going to get your heart rate up to during max, excuse me, during high intensity interval training, that's going to be between 48 and 175 uh, beats per minute. And that is with, with the, on the high side, and then you're going to allow it to come back down. So you're going to, you're going to play with those, with those different heart rates. And that's where the high intensity comes from. And that's you, a lot different. You said 48, like 48 or 148? 148. Okay. Yeah, one, and that's that range because it, um, even though you have the numbers behind it, everybody's going to be at a different fitness level and different capabilities. So really, just finding what works best for you. Let's take somebody who maybe is in a more untrained situation; they're getting new to this. For them, uh, jogging and then walking would be high intensity interval training because it's it's high. It's intense for them. Mm-hmm. But then you take somebody else or you take them, you know, a couple months later, they're going to go from sprinting for the, the high part and then jogging as the recover. So those are, the, it, it's the same concept. It's just where your body is. So that's why sometimes it is dangerous if you're trying to mimic the same workout as somebody else. <laughs> Let's say you take the untrained person, they're trying to keep up with the trained person. Once they start jogging, that's the, the jog is the intense part for them. Right. For the other person, the jog is the recovery. Right. <laughs> so then basically you can never catch your breath and you're dying. Right. <laughs> so really you need to find something that's more appropriate for your actual fitness level. So really applying those things is going to be more beneficial to fat loss and attacking uh, those fat reserves versus doing something long, steady, uh, state cardio. So, with my programming and things that I do either personally or, you know, depending on the client, you're going to have, uh, I use this analogy, bake a cake, <laughs> not literally, <laughs> let's stay away from, let's stay away from the cake. But when you bake a cake, 
That's the main, that's the main part. That's what you spend the most time on. That should be weight training. Weight training should be your cake. Then cardio, whether it be, because uh, some people like uh, steady state cardio. Some people just love to run. They get runners high. They, they like to be outside um, or they like to cycle, whatever it may be. That's awesome. If you like doing that, just understand that, just understand the science behind it. But even then, if fat loss is your goal, weight loss is your goal, that can't be your cake. The, 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 the running and the, the cardio cannot be your cake. So the weight training is your cake. The frosting is your cardio. Whatever, whatever form you like to do. You like to use a rower. You like to use other different uh, methods. Awesome. You like to swim, which is no impact. Awesome. Go do it. But that cannot be your cake. That has to be the frosting. If weight loss and having a, 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 a well-balanced, toned physique, whatever you want to use, whatever, you know, everybody uses different terminology to explain it, if that's your goal. Right. Um, so, and then, of course, nutrition plays a part, but in terms of just applying those methods and you can't get it backwards, you know, because when you, when, when there's different types of cake, right? <laughs> if you eat a pound cake, you don't need frosting. Right. So there's people who have their bodies in a healthy zone at a healthy body fat, and they don't even do any type of cardio uh, or, or intense cardio. You know, they just kind of get that through their day to day or they may go for a walk or something like that. They're active, but they do weight train and their body is able to stay in that zone. But somebody who is not doing weight training and they are trying to stay in that zone, they're pretty much playing catch up every single day because they have to burn more calories. They have to manually burn calories every day. They're just sitting there eating the frosting. They're eating frosting. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that's childish, right? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So uh, another analogy, just to you know, make it a little bit further, to drive it home. Um, there's people who live check to check, and then there's people who have been able to make investments, and those investments pay off. And they're not really manually working. That, that money is working for them. Mm -hmm. That is what weight training is. When you get to a point where you've built enough muscle, you've raised your metabolism, you are getting stronger, you're, you're, you are having the calories work for you. Because again, to use the example of somebody who is 220, 15% body fat, another person is 220, 30% body fat, the guy with 15% body fat clearly has more muscle. So you would have something called your, your BMR and based on the basal metabolic rate to where if you just lay in bed, you're burning calories. Calories are not just burned by uh, exercising. So when you were just laying down, watching Netflix, doing nothing, the guy who is 15% body fat is burning more calories than the guy who's 30% body fat. So you're not even trying to burn more calories than somebody who's your peer or somebody who's the same, that weighs the same on the scale. So that is the reason why I would use that, that analogy in terms of uh, using check to check. Now you have somebody who is only running. <laughs> All they do is run mm -hmm. and then they're back to square one every single day. And 
would you rather have some investments work for you and have money coming in? Or do you want to punch the clock every single day? And then when you get a sick day or when you have to take time off of vacation, you're not getting paid. Right. And that's what happens when you stop running and that's all you do, right? Yeah. Oh, I went on vacation. Oh, I got hurt. Oh, I didn't do these things. I can't run five miles a day. So now what happens? <laughs> you, you're stuck. You're not getting paid. Right. So really understanding those different things are going to allow you to have efficient methods and make sure that you are doing the right thing so that you can get the results you want. Because nobody wants to work hard and get nothing. <laughs> that is not the plan at all, Stan. Not at all. Not at all. Um, another method of hit would be something called Tabata. You know about that, Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> so Tabata. So, yeah, man. So I first heard about Tabata from a coworker. So I had a coworker of mine um, who was doing Tabata. He found like these Tabata workers on YouTube. And so yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. Um, but now that we're home, that's something that you incorporated in, in our workouts um, here. And I, we, probably, we probably did some Tabata type things when we did the in-person workouts, but I just never knew the terminology because you just had us uh, running through um, exercises or whatever, but um, now we have definitely have specific Tabata yeah. workouts. Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, so, so uh, actual, so to so listeners that don't know, uh, Tabata training um, is named after the person who came up with it. It's a Japanese scientist, but really what you're doing is you're working uh, 20 seconds on whatever exercise it is, and then 10 seconds off. And you're going to do that for eight rounds. So that's going to take you to four minutes. All right. So for the listeners that are not sure what Tabata is, it is named after a Japanese scientist. That is his name. And really what it is, just to keep it simple, um, it is a way of exercise. So you're, you're doing a certain exercise for 20 seconds on as fast and as hard as you can, you are giving an all out effort. If you are not giving that type of effort, then you're not doing Tabata and your body will not respond correctly. So it is 20 seconds on and then 10 seconds off rest. You're going to do that for eight rounds. And that is pretty much, that is the workout. Now, depending, you can uh, use that for certain strength things, especially with a time like now where you may not have access to a gym or, you know, I've had people, you know, they travel for work and they do a hotel workout or something like that. Um, what this does, it allows your body to keep a certain conditioning uh, standard, conditioning level without doing those long uh cardio exercises like a run for five miles or whatever it may be. So if you have already reached that type of uh, level of fitness, uh, cardiovascular fitness, you can use this to maintain. Uh, and then also this is still falls under hit. So I use this with my clients as well. And this is going to be beneficial for fat loss. So really getting in there, for example, uh, doing mountain climbers for 20 minutes, excuse me, 20 seconds, and then you rest for those 10 seconds and you get right back into it. And you know, those first two rounds might feel really easy, but then after that, your body is really being taxed and then you're going to go through that for eight, eight rounds. Yep. It's tough. It's tough. It's not something that you can or should be doing every day, but this is, this is really an efficient method of doing things. Um, I like to, I like doing like uh, on an off day. If I feel like, you know, I still want to get a workout in, I'll, I'll do a Tabata. 
Okay. Just, you know, just get a nice little sweat going and, you know, feel like, feel good for the day. Cause sometimes you just, you feel like you just want to work out. And that's weird to say. I never thought I would ever say that. <laughs> <You> what? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes when there's an off day on the schedule, I'm like, I'm up early. Let me go and let me go do something instead of just sitting there and watching TV. Cause I mean, I feel like I got yeah. time. And, and think about it. the reason why you feel that way is because that's what you're doing the majority of your week. You mm -hmm. know, whether it be five days, six days a week, you're already doing that. So right. it's it's almost what I really try to bring to the attention to my clients is if you're doing something that's successful, right? You're having success with it and you actually like doing it. Why stop? Right. You know, so it's not about uh, unless you are training at a level to where you need an absolute rest day that's fine. But then even then you still should have healthy habits. You still should do some type of recovery stretch or whatever it may be. But really all you're doing is just taking your foot off the gas a little bit. Right. But what you don't want to do is get in the habit of doing these healthy habits, seeing the results. Then soon as Friday comes, you say, well, all bets are off. I'm done with that. And then you just stop stretching. You stop weight training. You stop having structure within your diet. You start introducing uh, processed foods, alcohol, all these things. And then Monday comes around. One, you feel a little bit guilty. Two, your body does not feel the same. And you have kind of, uh, you've, 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 you've stagnated your results. Mm -hmm. So really, why not just keep it going <laughs> through the weekend and, and, and keep it going? Now, it doesn't have to be as intense as maybe Monday through Friday. And I understand people are more social and different things like that, but there are, there are weekends where you're not doing anything, right? <laughs> you know, not, not just now in this, in this new lifestyle, but prior to this, uh, I think I'm going to start calling, uh, before COVID before Corona, oh, yeah. I'm just going to call it BC. Yep. All right. <laughs> so BC, you used to have more things that you would do and be more social, right? Mm -hmm. But even then you would have a weekend where you had nothing on the calendar. There is an internal thing, whether it be just creatures, us being creatures of habit, to where you go, I need to stop doing things that are <laughs> I actually like doing and actually are healthy for me. I need to stop. Mm -hmm. I need to <laughs> actually do some things that aren't good for me just because of the calendar. And that's where you see a difference in people who have really long-term results or people that have... Uh, expedite their results versus somebody who really hits hard plateaus or really stops and they really can't get themselves moving as fast to, towards the goal. Yeah. I mean, that's something I learned early on is you can, you can ruin a week of progress with a, a Friday and Saturday of debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> of, of chaos. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So a Friday and Saturday night of, you know, pizza and wine and fried chicken and French fries and all that stuff can ruin. But, but also pairing that with right. no movement. No, no movement. Right. Of sitting down watching TV and just kind of being like, man, I worked hard this week. I, I earned these two days. And it's, yeah. you, you'll get back on Monday and be like, yo, what, what happened? You got, break, you, break even. And yeah. then what happens is, unfortunately, some people, they sweep that under the rug of minimizing the impact of that. Because, I mean, if you look at it from a, a number standpoint, you go, all right, well, I did, I did the right thing five days a week. I did the wrong thing twice. 
that shouldn't really mean that much. You know, I got, right. I got, I'm up three. Right. I should be good to go. Right. But they're not actually waiting the day uh, of Friday and Saturday, not understanding the, the magnitude of those decisions. Right. So uh, that's a good point, Ernest. So really, let's say somebody, uh, when, when you see a show like Biggest Loser, right? And you see somebody, and I, that's unhealthy. In my opinion, that's very unhealthy in that short time frame. But you got to understand, those people didn't take weekends off. Right. So that's, to say a four weeks in a month, that's eight days. That's a whole nother month that you can add to your success if you choose to treat the weekend like the week. Right. And that's the difference. So maybe, you know, rather than, and I'm not expecting people to never let their hair down or to never, you know, have wine or have pizza or, you know, take a day off from exercise. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is create a baseline. And when you have these good habits going, keep them going so that you don't have that off and on switch that we've alluded to before. Yeah. Oh, let me touch on this. You, you've openly said you don't like running, right? No, sir. <laughs> I'm not a big runner either. Uh, if I'm, not playing, if I'm not playing a game, like I could basketball, flag, football, something like that, yeah. I, I, I can go and do that. But just to go out and run in a straight line or run in a circle, <laughs> yeah. not a fan of that. I, I have no problem doing uh, some track work. I, I, like, I like sprinting. I like um, maybe even doing a longer sprint, which would be like a 400. That's one lap around the track. And then I'll mix that in. And that's almost where the high intensity comes from, where I'm going to do that sprint. And then I'm going to keep moving with a walk. Um, I like doing that. I like working in, you know, uh, different types of, of runs, but I'm not just going to do a steady state run. And I'm not just going to run through the neighborhood or run through the city for five miles. I don't like that. And you know, if, if I'm back at my gym, I'll use the rower, I'll use the battle ropes, um, I'll do different things so that I am still getting the effects of cardio, but I'm not doing something I don't like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people run and they don't like running. Mm. If you are listening to this and you are running and you don't like running, please stop. Stop running, baby. <laughs> stop running. You're in an abusive relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> don't do it now i'm not saying don't do anything but you can find other ways to do something more enjoyable because you're not going to enjoy the process and enjoying the process is a huge part of sustainability yes, so sir. so find something that is sustainable for you um if you like doing zumba do zumba you like doing swimming you like doing water aerobics you like doing uh Whatever it may be, I've seen some crazy stuff. We've seen uh, <laughs> exercise classes using poles. <laughs> Whatever people may want to do to get that, you know, whether it be some type of dance related. Uh, but remember, that's your frosting. That's not your cake. Mm -hmm. And if you are weight training, you can put whatever frosting on that cake and you will be A-OK. -okay. Um, so really do what you like when it comes to that. If you're running with a, a, a running partner and they like running and you want to have a similar physique as them, maybe they like running and you don't. You don't want to get tagged along with that and feel as though you have to do something that you don't like. Um, and more, more importantly, is your body in a place to run? Because if you don't have 
if you have some imbalances or you have some joint issues and things like that to where you shouldn't be running because it is such a hard impact, mm-hmm. then you do need to find an alternative because if it, I mean, I've ran into people to where they like running and they shouldn't be running because it is hurting them physically. And that's what I mean by like kind of that abusive relationship. Right. It's like, it's like you need to, you need to move on or, or run less, you know? And that's where, you know, the elliptical comes into play. Uh, The rower, swimming, uh, doing these different things are going to allow for you to have less impact. So make sure you like running. Make sure your body's in a place to where you're okay to run. And then by weight training, you're going to get stronger at running. um, And by having a focus on improving range of motion, flexibility, mobility, you're going to be able to recover from running and all those things are going to work better and you're going to be a better athlete. So I think that that's a better way of wrapping it up. Uh, your yeah. goal when you, when you are trying to start a weight loss journey, you still want to make sure that you're becoming a more well-rounded, better athlete. And I, I've seen the progress between, you know, with you and your wife. And that's that's very obvious. What do you mm-hmm. think? Uh, I agree. I think so. I think we've um, both have become better uh, athletes all around. Uh, I've seen her from having to get a, a step step stool to get things from top cabinets because she's a little bit shorter to being able to kind of jump and grab things sometimes. So she, can get, <laughs> nice. she, she can get up there now. Um, I think at one point we were uh, at the at the gym uh, BC, and uh, <laughs> and she was uh we were on the pull up bar, and so because right now right now uh, there's some uh, pull up things in our in our workouts some um, assisted pull ups, yeah. but she she jumped up and grabbed the pull up bar and I I was like. <laughs> wow that was that was i was like okay i see you out here squats is working for you you're building them legs with those leg presses and things like that so i was like i can i can see those different things um kind of working in us now like we're becoming much more well-rounded much more flexible um much more um we have higher uh endurance levels uh, when we are doing some of those cardio things and so it's yeah. a beautiful thing yeah, yeah. For for you guys to to really implement a lot of different strategies that we've used, but we still stay within the parameters of kind of that that cake analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I've seen within the things that you guys can do that are optional. Yeah, your wife likes to run more than you, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But if for her to only do that, she would not have the success that that she's had, and right. um, it, we're not preventing her from doing things that she likes to do either. Mm-hmm. So those will be the benefits of weight training, the benefits of cardio. Really what you want to do is find the ratio that works best for you and your goals. Um, If you are looking to lose weight, you know, really what, what this conversation was based upon, then you still need to at least have a, a 50, 50 ratio. It should never be a, a, you know, a 60 cardio, 40 weight training ratio because your long term, you're just not going to get there. And a lot of people that are uh, working individuals, people with families, they have limited time. I mean, you may have an hour a day, or maybe you may have four hours over the span of a week. So you may only have four days to do something. Right. You want to make sure that 50% of that time is applied to weight training, not just I go run four days a week. 
thing that I'm going to have, you know, the, the desired body that I think I'm going to have because you're not applying weight training. A lot of people need to build muscle just to see it. You know, <laughs> you can't be toned without muscle. Right. <laughs> so both of those things go and uh, they, they kind of go back and forth. It's kind of like a yin and a yang. They kind of work together. So right. just finding the ratio that works best for you is very important because for me, I'll use myself as an example. I'm going to do more of a, you know, a 70, 30 weight training, 30 cardio. But when I started my basketball league, BC, <laughs> uh, I knew that I needed to change that. So I started doing uh, some different things within my training program to where I was still doing strength training, but I had a lot more uh, high intensity cardio involved to where I was doing box jumps. I was using my ropes, using a uh, jump rope, make sure that I was using muscles that I wasn't using prior. Uh, a lot of cutting and moving in different di uh, diagonals, uh, directions, backpedaling, all those things I wasn't doing before. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that one, I was not going to get hurt, but two, that I was going to have the endurance to perform at a, a, at a, decent level on a basketball court because it's not something that I was doing prior. So right. you can always shift your ratio depending on what you're doing, but I didn't just stop lifting weights. And I just said, I'm just going to go play basketball every day, or I'm just going to go run every day. That's not really how it works. And that's not efficient. There we go. So, so hopefully we, we, we get to a time where we can <laughs> get back to more normalcy and, uh, you know, maybe the basketball league startup and all the other things that we used to do um, can be reintroduced and we can start looking at different ways of mixing up our workouts. Yeah, man. So the moral of the story when it comes to cardio and weight training is to eat cake. <laughs> is that what you got out of this? That's, that's is, what that I heard. The, is that the spark note? <laughs> that's what I heard. Oh man, I, I I failed. I failed as a trainer. <laughs> oh man. Well, I appreciate you listening. This was our third episode of Stronger yeah. Inside, where we cover all things health, fitness, and wellness to help you improve your mind, body, and environment. Until next time. Get out.